This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the Skeptical Skeptics Podcast. I'm your host, RJ Metzger. And I'm Rachel Metzger. And we're on the Bigfoot special. Woo! Yeah. So in order to really bring us into the mood, I have this creepy (laughs) clip for you. So what you just heard was somebody walking down a riverbank, hearing the most blood curdlingly, terrifyingly. Blood curdlingly. Yes. Terrifyingly. Uh scream which is associated with the bigfoot that's what they're supposed to sound like which we have a bunch of clips uh later to play for you um but yeah that's a uh, underwear changing moment for that person and we'll be talking about the big man from here like i, I can kind of imagine it as like lady bigfoot is mad at man bigfoot because <laughs> that really sounds like i'm ah, like i'm so frustrated <laughs> like domestic dispute <laughs> yeah but like well if i was that dude yeah i'd crap my pants exactly 100 percent. right so like a normal show i do still have uh some call outs so uh we have mark hall alvin alex Hanna, leisha napo because i've been saying her name wrong for like three episodes so i just <laughs> wanted to throw her back in there uh conspiracy theoryology which is actually a podcast that we don't know personally or um and haven't interacted with before but they listened to our podcast and reached out and uh like promoted us saying that they had binged all of our episodes so we appreciate them uh and feel free to check them out i'll be listening to them this week um and then we also have nikki who's also on twitter and i don't know her full name because it's on twitter but um she uh listens to us as well So uh, we appreciate all of you. And also we posted a picture of our stickers, which, you know, got some pretty good attention from people. So I'll also be posting um, how to get your hands on a sticker, um, which I should have probably done when I posted the picture of the sticker. But agreed. Patreon's been down, so I can't really uh, fix it. RJ, get better at all the work that you do when I do nothing. Exactly. So I um, don't normally talk about Patreon, but just in the like spirit of the sticker uh we are going to be adding a three dollar tier to the patreon which is just so that you can get your hands on a sticker because i'll put in there a contact form where you can put in your address uh join the three dollar patreon get like your rights on the sticker and then you can downgrade to like one dollar zero dollars upgrade go get a t-shirt whatever but that's just the easiest way for me to do it um because i'm ordering these stickers in bulk so in order to kind of make some of that money back and then also you know get the information i need to send you a sticker that's how we're going to do it so look on our social media profiles uh for instructions on how to do that and of course you can reach out to us if you have any questions okay so bigfoot i think the man himself yeah so in the news with bigfoot literally nine hours 24 minutes ago uh somebody from georgia and it was reported in the news saw an eight foot seven bigfoot crossing the street and reported it to the police and it was a local news story this is so common which we're going to talk about the timeline of bigfoot and like how much um you know he's just kind of in our culture uh we're going to talk about that a lot as well but yeah i mean it's an absolute sensation so i think we should start with rachel what are your thoughts on bigfoot okay so um first i want to ask you because i kind of was thinking about this you're talking can you remember the first time you heard about bigfoot i think 
it may have been in a goofy movie. Like, no, I, I mean, I really do think like maybe I'd heard of him before, but like the right. first time I like thought, oh, it's like a creature that is mythological was, you know, I, I, like the first time I remember thinking of him as like Bigfoot, like what I think of Bigfoot now was in a goofy movie where in case you haven't seen this phenomenal <laughs> film, which is like my favorite childhood film. It's um, pretty great. They're out camping, which they shouldn't even have been there. Uh, they're sleeping in their car and Bigfoot kind of trashes their car and like they have to like get it away by doing the perfect cast and a bunch of other stuff. So like that's a good goofy impersonation. I liked it. It wasn't horrible. But yeah. And then, uh, well, then you're going to like this one. Could you back up there, Mr. Foot? You're, you're out, out of focus. focus. That's like the best part ever. <laughs> and I didn't even get the joke until now because Bigfoot's always out of focus, which we'll talk yep. about. Um, yeah. So I think that's the first time. I feel like when I watched that movie, because I was obviously we were young, right? Like that was a long time ago. Um, I didn't actually get who Bigfoot was. Like, I don't think that I had a firm grasp grasp of like Bigfoot as an actual thing. Like, I, I don't know. I just thought of it as like a weird creature thing. And he just called it Bigfoot. Right. Like, I didn't really get it. But I honestly like I feel like Bigfoot is so ingrained in our history and in especially in the U.S., but in general. That I don't even remember when I first heard about Bigfoot, I just remember knowing who it is or knowing about him. Right. Like, cause he's so ingrained. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, there's not like a specific time that I was like, Oh, that's Bigfoot. Or, Oh, I've never heard of that before. It was more just like, I don't ever remember not knowing who Bigfoot was. Right. I mean, it's just like learning what like cops are or what a cow is. Like, it's just part of growing up. Yeah. yeah which I think is pretty interesting. That's why I was thinking about it. Um, I don't know about Bigfoot. I, I kind of am in most things in the world if you guys haven't already known this by every other episode and like the queen of, I think it's ridiculous to completely say either way. Um, because mostly, especially with things in nature for me, like when it comes to cryptids and things like that, just because there's so many parts of the world that we can't explore. Also things that live out in the wild, it's kind of their job to hide from you. They're really good at it. It's what they do. We'll actually talk about that as well. Right. Yeah. So the idea that we could know every single thing that lives in the forest and the woods around us in, in our country is kind of ridiculous to me. Um, I have a hard time believing it's actually like a large ape like man out in the woods. Um, there's I would think like if they came out and said we finally found Bigfoot and it's this like type of this that we've just never seen before or that was like died out and whatever we thought was all gone or whatever, then that would make a lot more sense to me than like, it's like a hybrid man ape thing. I don't know. I don't really. So I might prescribe by that. Change your mind here. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, I would like I, that. No. So I, I, uh, I have to apologize for my previous ignorance on the Bigfoot topic. I did not believe in Bigfoot at all. And I, I can legitimately say, like, my mind has actually been changed in doing this research. Oh, I'm excited. This by is one fun. specific thing. I'll, I'll talk about at length. Um, and, and I'm really excited to share it with you. But uh, so for me, the reason why I've always been skeptical of Bigfoot, like, I always kind of thought that Bigfoot legend started with just bears beats Battlestar Galactica. No, <laughs> right. um, with bears, uh, like apes, monkeys. Yeah, same. And then it just, you know, hyperbolize and hyperbolize and hyperbolize. And these are real things and they're really scary in the woods. And I get it. Um, and that's where I kind of thought everything stemmed from. 
like I said, there's something that's changed that for me. Um, but something, the reason why I was very like skeptical of Bigfoot is because like in order to have a like truly like breeding and sustainable population, you have to have like 2000 members for, you know, genetic issues. And even then it's still like not good. Like 2000 is so low right. that one disease you're going to be wiped out. Like that's extreme endangerment. Right. Well, bears, um, like have been, I believe it's black bears. No, not black bears. Sorry. Grizzlies have been around the 2000 mark for a while. Right. Um, and especially in specific parts of the world, they're even less than 500. Um, and that's why they were, um, you know, encroaching on being endangered. And then we actually like, like reinvested in them and, and uh-huh. brought them back up. But like yeah. they were, they were down there. And even at their lowest numbers, you still had hunters, coming across them and uh seeing you know bear poop bear specimens bear carcasses bear uh, live bears like footprints yeah right like i mean it was still like very common and getting good photos of them on trail cameras and stuff and so this was my number one pushback for why i thought sasquatch just simply could not exist right was that if you had something that was even less than the population to sustain and we're still seeing like solid evidence of it, you can't have this other mythological thing. Yeah. Right. Like I said, I have something that I think that changed my mind. So I'll, I'll share that later and it will be at the end of the episode, not to tease you, but just because that's what makes sense. It's the most modern. So what we're going to do is go through the timeline of Bigfoot and kind of just start or start with like, how this became so ingrained in our culture that we can't even remember the first time we heard about Bigfoot. And then in and of itself, it kind of presents its own evidence. Um, but that's kind of the idea. So first, the first instance that we have of Bigfoot in like the traditional sense of Bigfoot, like, so this is something worth mentioning. The hairy giant man thing has always been around. Always. Yeah, right. Um, it was something that like, you cannot mark a starting point because like it used to be, so common that it wasn't even seen as like crazy. But I mean, it could be it's been noted by anthropologists and like people looking back in history as, you know, the thing Cyclops, ogres, uh, freak Goliath. Like yeah, all I saw these. I saw a um, I wonder when I was looking through everything, I saw one from 1884. Right. I've yeah. got that beat. So that's and that's the modern recollection of it. Right. But I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like for time and all eternity. Right. The giant man has always been a thing. Right. And so to like back to my previous point to delineate, okay, what was Sasquatch and what was, you know, just a big dude or a bear or whatever, like is very difficult. But these are the things that are like traditionally Squatch, right? (laughs) Like this, the dude. Right. So um, this was an account by David Thompson 208 years ago um, in the winter of 1811 or 209 years ago. I don't know. I think these dates were from 2018. Uh, But anyway, in Jasper National Park in Alberta, he recorded um, bipedal 14-inch tracks with long claws or toenails. And he said to his Blackfoot guide, which Blackfoot's a type of Native American, Mm -hmm. um, which is up in the Canada parts. um, (laughs) The Canada parts. The Canada parts. um, he asked him whether it was from a bear and he said, no, it was from a stayama stayama. Right. So again, part of the Blackfoot culture was, yeah, we already know what that is. Giant yeah. foot, Bigfoot, right? Yeah. There was many native American tribes who have that too. Right. So we're going to run through some of these. So 205 years ago, during when the Hudson Bay company owned uh, many trading posts in Lake Superior, the native Cree people 
told them about a hairy giant called the Monsukin, which would harass them by screaming and throwing rocks and knocking trees with large sticks. So again, not abnormal to Bigfoot. Now, here's what's interesting. It became so frustrating for them that the indigenous people moved to the Napigon First Nations Reserve. So they actually like attribute their people's move to this. Wow. And this was recorded, you know, 205 years ago as the reason why they moved. 191 years ago in uh, or 190 years ago in 1829, there was a tale that originated near the south end of Ware County, um, which is the line that divides Georgia from Florida. Um, it passes through this region called Okefenokee. Um And the legend of the Bigfoot in this area first appeared in print in 1806. So very long time ago um, in Jedediah Morris's book, Geography Made Easy, when he was talking about Georgia, um, he talked about. Can you imagine reading that book? (laughs) Right. What geography in 1806 would be compared to now? Right. So he talked about a legend of Indian hunters that had gone into the swamp and become lost Uh, when they were in a desperate condition. A party of the of like beautiful women that the most beautiful women they'd ever seen uh came to their rescue and it said quote they being lost in intoxicable sorry inextricable swamps and uh bogs and on the point of perishing were unexpected unexpectedly relieved by a company of beautiful women whom they called daughters of the sun who kindly gave them provisions such as uh fruit and corn cakes now Here's where it gets interesting. They said that the hunters needed to flee because, quote, their husbands were fierce men and cruel to strangers. OK, and the men of the swamp were said by the Creek Indians to be a, of gigantic stature and both cruel and warlike. So this legend, right, was was put into the book and was widely spread from this area. Here's where it gets interesting. So people responded to the legend. Like it's not already interesting? No, no, it isn't. Because <laughs> that was just like a story, yeah, which we true, have a ton right. of, right? This is where the story turns into reports, which is cooler. So in the winter of 1828 and 1829, um, it was extremely dry. And so two men living on the edges of the swamp decided to explore as deep into the swamp as they could. Um, they were accompanied by a boy. And they went over the course of two weeks uh, deeper and deeper into the swamp. As they explored um, right into the middle of it, uh, they found footprints. Quote, the length of the foot was 18 inches and the breadth nine inches. The monster, from every appearance, must have moved forward in easy or hesitating gait, his stride from heel to toe being a trifle over six feet. Right? Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. But again, classic Bigfoot evidence. Like, it hasn't changed. I just want to know, how do you become Sasquatch's wife? Very interesting question. We will address that. Because I feel like Sasquatch, by what we think, right, would mostly look at humans and be like, food, right? But when do they look at a lady and say, wife? So... Also, did she choose to be his wife or is she forced to be his wife? Right. So we'll talk about this a little later. But there are a lot of theories that Bigfoot used to be more ingratiated into, like, human culture. And then separated out and then faded into mythology. Uh, There's also genetic reasons behind stuff like this. You'll see. Okay. So anyway. I'm um, intrigued. Yeah, you should be. It's very intriguing. Anyway, so uh, they said that they, you know, were, were seeing the gate, right, of this. And then this story of the big 
prince and the the stride and all this right gathered another group of people interested in the swamp so this is a party of nine hunters that came from florida again it's on the florida georgia line right and so um they said they traversed into this swamp and they said uh quote the next minute he was in their full view talking about Sasquatch, right? Advancing upon them with a terrible look and ferocious mien. Mm-hmm. Uh, our little band instinctively gl- gathered close in a body and presented their rifles. The huge being, nothing daunted, bounded upon his victims and in the same instant received the contents of seven rifles. Okay. Oh my gosh. The fight, however, did not end there. Quote, he did not fall alone, nor until he had gutted his ra- glutted his wrath with the death of five of them, five of nine, okay, Whoa. which he effected by wringing the head from the body. Writhing and exhausted, at length he fell with his hapless prey beneath his grasp. They measured the body at f- 13 feet and, quote, he had just proportions, right? So he was 13 feet tall right. and proportionately as big, okay? Um, they left their five dead. And the Sasquatch body there because they were in fear that this one was bringing more and they hightailed it out of there. So this was a report of these nine hunters. Uh, This is what they brought back, missing five people from their party. Okay. so and this is all in the same region. So these three stories came from the same region. And it's again, it's one of those things where the initial story made it out into a book that was very popular. And then it brought um some other people coming in already thinking that this creature existed. Yeah, ready for it. And then him. they found strides and footprints, but then a hunter party got murdered by it. Uh, when I think of the hunter party, I think of that scene at the beginning of Shrek where all the people could come <laughs> with their pitchforks. In their <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, then there was Elkanah Walker's diary. Okay. Wait, this wait was, hold on. What happened? You left me at no end of a story. Did they ever go back? No, that was it. They escaped, but they left their five dead and they told their story. Yeah. And no one ever tried to go back and try to find the body or the bodies of the people? No, they were too scared. This could have been like the end. We could all be saying right now, we have proof we Sasquatch have is real. We, we have because way more. here is the body they found back then with the one so who here, killed the no, five here's, dudes. Here's what's interesting. So the whole uh, thing... And I didn't see any mention of if there was a party that went in. Right. Because, again, it's 200 years. So the only thing that survived was the story. Right. The subsequent failures to find the body. But here's what's actually interesting. There is a huge contingent of people that believe that the reason why Sasquatches are not found is because they bury their dead. Just like human oh, beings. Oh, yeah. I, right? saw, I have. I saw that. Right. Yes. There's like burial sites and stuff. Right. And so then the thought that like there were more coming is totally right. Right. And again, back to the howl we played at the beginning. Um, and you want forget it. We'll just play another one right here because it's been like 15 minutes. Here you go. All right. So what you just heard was from a YouTube video where the guy said that he left his trail camera out because he was on a path where he knew deer was very common for hunters to do. He wanted to record these deer. Right. Yeah. So what he found were all those vocalizations. Right. And then he put his camera out again and caught another like five minutes of vocalizations and like messing up and like and stuff like that. This was on a second day, though. Now, here's the funny part. So when he put the video, he goes, hey, 
look at this prank that my neighbors played on me. They got me good. Right. And uh, it's because one of the neighbors stepped up. Hey, we were messing with you. We saw your trail cam. Like we just made a bunch of noises. Right. Okay. So then he was like, well, how'd you, you know, how'd you do certain ones? And they had only seen the second day that he put it out there. They didn't know about the first day and they didn't do the first parts. And so when you watch the two videos, they are totally separate noises. Um, And like, on the second day, like they sound like people like like they're messing with him. Right. They wanted him to think that there was a uh, homeless people on his on his property. Like that's what they were joking around with. Right. Okay, yeah. But that first video, they didn't even know it was out there the first day. And so when he played them, the screams, he was, they were like, oh, no, 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 that wasn't us. Right. And so then he like was like, oh, OK, so then what is it? Right. Yeah. He's still convinced it's like a he thinks it's homeless people or something else. Like he doesn't think it's Bigfoot. <laughs> That's Bigfoot. No, that uh, if you do hear our little baby, he's very talkative today. So, um, yeah, you may You're hear some weird for things. Cute, for cute sounds. Yes. Um, the other interesting thing to me is the f- fact that, like, clearly, like, like the first sound that they made and then the second sound that they made are clearly, like, they sound kind of the same, but, like, one is definitely more, like, high-pitched. Right. I wouldn't say high-pitched, but, you know, like, higher in pitch, and the other one is much lower, and, but, like... Like I almost they're almost different, but they're both animal like neither of them sound human. So I'm glad you're talking about like the different types of sounds, because I actually have a video kind of explaining what some people have like. So there, there's an anthropologist in West Virginia, um, like West Virginia University, sorry, um, who is documenting the language of Sasquatch because this is so consistent from case to case. Right. And so here's. A couple weirdos. They're not like they're not this dude from WVU, right? Like th- these are just weird people on Animal Planet. But um, this is them explaining the different sounds that Sasquatch makes. Hey, Animal Planet's legit. One of the more common vocalizations is often described as a high-pitched scream, like a woman being murdered in the woods. Um, sometimes they're long and drawn out. Sometimes they're short, like this. <laughs> Other times, you hear the long, sort of mournful howls, often described as the Ohio howl, because Matt recorded that for the first time back in Ohio in 1995. Like that, like a sirening kind of sound. But then I've also had squatches come to me, like when I've been, like you know, making a bunch of noise and this and that, come to me and do like the, like that kind of grunt growly kind of thing like a like kind of like that it is my personal hypothesis that sasquatches actually speak to each other in what might be a language or some sort of early proto language or something they sound much like very large men grumbling back and forth to each other some people say it sounds like a samurai chatter or something and actually that's what that sort of vocalization is now named like, they sound better than that. The squatches do. So that last one that you heard, um, the samurai sounds um, sound really interesting. But that's actually the the, the specific ones that uh, the WVU professor is actually breaking down and he'll be reporting out. So very interesting there. Also, in case you're wondering, those were all just dudes making sounds. Yes. Since you're not watching the video with us. Yes, those, those were just, just a bunch dudes. of dudes. Um, so anyway back to history so elkanah elkanah 
Walker, um, in his diary from 179 years ago, uh, he was a preacher and was visiting Washington state to try and convert people to Christianity. Um, he noted that they believed in the Sesquak, which was a hairy eight foot tall creature with long arms that lived in the woods. Um, there was also the wild woman of Navidad from 170 years ago in Southern Texas. Um, a hairy female Sasquatch was recorded by the locals and, uh, widely published in American newspapers. And at one point she tried to break into a man's cabin. So again, they know it was a female. She has hair all over herself. Yeah. She's a wild mm. woman. All right. She have long, pretty eyelashes and lipstick on. Probably. All right. So here's an interesting one that we know is a woman. I don't know if I've actually told you about this, but I knew about this was Xana from 168 years ago. So Xana was a seven foot tall female ape like creature uh, found by Abkhazian uh, villagers and was captured and brought to the nearby village of Tekina. Um, so Xana was uh, covered in hair, seven feet tall, didn't speak, always slept in the fetal position. OK, so Edgy Ganaba, a villager, raped Xana. Mm. I know it's very, very sad, but she gave birth to four children. Two of them died and the others were like inbred. Uh, she has a line of ancestors now. Wait, hold on. I'm sorry. Four children at one time? Like a litter? No, no. Over time. Okay. She was captive. So he just ra- kept raping her yes. over and over? Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so their children were relatively normal in appearance. And uh, they're like pictures. You can see them like all over. Okay. So here's the interesting thing. And it gets into the de- genetic discussion later. Um, they have genetically... Uh, looked at their line and they were people. Okay. Right. Um, with not a huge amount of Neanderthal uh, in their DNA, but she was clearly like a wildish looking woman. Okay. Um, but this is like one of the most documented cases of, Hey, we actually like found one. Okay. Yeah. Um, but keep all this in mind. So I've never heard that. That's crazy. Yeah. And very sad. Very, very sad. But you can look into it. I mean, a lot of people have like anthropologists have broken it down of just like, hey, she just happened to look different. And they were like making the other. So um, they thought that she was actually a rare uh, descendant of black people that were brought up to. I think this was like around Russia. Uh-huh. Um, black people that were brought up there and then escaped and lived in the wild um, after they had escaped. Okay. And then she was a descendant from them. So they kind of like lost any of that, like quote unquote civilization. Um, and then when they found her, they just thought, Oh, she's a wild woman. Let's like kind of not demonize her, but you know, like make her even less human. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so then there's the Siatko. So recorded 164 years ago, according to the Chihalas and Crow, uh, which are first nations people, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Siatko, which means uh, night or spirit people, are hairy giants of the mountains and look like people, but bigger and hairier and didn't do civilized things like make fire or speak. Instead, they whistled and whooped. Uh, the uh, Chahalas folktale uh, goes that or says that there was a group of Native Americans that captured a Siatko boy. They witnessed how he was hairy, nocturnal, captured fish and hunted deer in a different way. And uh, the Siatko eventually retrieved their boy by whistling and t- whistling and whooping to scare the Native American people away and leaving the boy unattended. And they took him back. OK, so this is like a old folktale. Right. 
So then there are the Siatko documentations from 155 years ago where an ethnographer named George Gibbs, uh, who was a Harvard University researcher, went to Washington to report the beliefs of the indigenous Washingtonians, um, mainly from these same tribes we were talking about. So he reported their beliefs of the Siatko um, or wild person, which is what it translates to in English. Um, In their folklore, they are hairy wild men of the forest, like I said. Now, here's the interesting part. There are two different kinds of Siatko that appear in the folklore. Um, One is a powerful but comparatively benign. um, And these are more like forest spirits, which they're the ones that are referred to as the night people. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's the fearsome and malevolent man eaters, which are sometimes referred to as uh, stick Indians. And they the two beings like cross a lot in in uh, Native American folklore and anthropology. Um, because, you know, they're just so similar, right? Also interesting in regards to the kind of diversion that we see as far as the aggressive rock-throwing Sasquatch and then the Sasquatch who just wants to run away, right? Yeah. So, um, George Gibbs was actually the first Westerner to document the indigenous beliefs of Bigfoot. So that's why that was important. So something to point out here, and the reason why we're doing the timeline of this is because, like, it's just so interesting how similar and consistent this still is it hasn't changed yeah it has not changed uh which with like urban legends and stuff there's always kind of that there's huge amounts of change right of course um where with something and also there's huge amounts not only in history there's huge amounts of differences depending on where you live where you live regional yeah. yeah and where native american like Sasquatch belief is like very similar across the board mm-hmm. and through tribe yeah. after tribe that well, I've and, seen and like even now consistently with what we see all different places it's like the videos you see he looks yes. about the same the sounds you hear they sound the about same the that same. kind of thing it's yeah. so weird how consistent it is and that's what i was saying because like i didn't realize how this had gone back for 200 years i mean i always knew we've always had the hairy man like legend but i didn't know like specifically sasquatch in north america was this consistent yeah i didn't know right? that either so in june 3rd of 1869 there was the ohioan wild man um in January, the Minnesota Weekly Report told a bizarre story um, in 1869 that a wild man had attacked a family of two, which were traveling on a carriage uh, in a carriage on a road through the woods. Okay, this is near the city of Gallipolis, Gallipolis, um, which is a chartered village in Ohio. Um, Anyway, so the wild man apparently neutralized the father first and his daughter was kind of like watching in disbelief as mm-hmm. this dude was killing her dad, which yeah, is really right. sad. Right. Sad. And she's quoted as saying he goes naked, covered with hair is gigantic in height and his eyes start from their sockets. Right. Which again is very similar to our descriptions mm-hmm. of him. Um, which is, this is all reported in the newspaper. The strange creature caught the man quote in a grip like that of a vice pinned him to the ground and tried to bite him the or tried to yeah bite him um both the father and the wild man were struggling around for a while uh and ended up diving deep into the mud half suffocating she says um its eyes she had reported were burning and maniacal um and they glared into 
her father with murderous and savage intensity. The daughter reported grabbing a rock and hitting the beast on the side of the head. Go her. Get it. Um, it seemed to put an end to the fight. Uh, even though the creature didn't show any signs of pain, it prompted the animal to retreat back into the trees. And uh, the names. So the dad did live, by the way. Good job, girl. But the names of um, the witnesses and were not revealed because, you know, it was controversial story at the yeah. time um and nobody was ever apprehended but that was like one of the most like, like, like that was the first like news like active news reporting of an attack okay another interesting one i had no idea about this but manitoba up in uh canada mm-hmm. uh which was named about 149 years ago in 1870 uh comes from the word Manitou, which means spirit. And when questioned why the First Nations people call it that, they responded by saying stone coats are Manitou and the stone coats are hairy giants identical to the Sasquatch legend. So Manitoba kind of comes from Sasquatch. Oh, that's cool. cool. Um, okay, so here's one of the more interesting ones. So Jacko, uh, 134 oh, yeah, years ago. Jacko. You did? Mm-hmm. Okay. So in June 30th of 1884, near the Fraser River in British Columbia, railroad workers from Lytton found a monkey man um, who appeared somewhat frail. Uh, they threw a net over it and it screamed, quote, like a child. And they put it in a cage and they took the animal to Kamloops, which uh, apparently is a city i don't know but anyway um canadians man who knows uh but they used it as a tourist attraction after nursing it back nursing it back to health the animal refused to eat human made food and only ate vegetarian and raw meat the animal was four foot seven inches tall 127 pounds and appeared to be a juvenile covered with black hair and quote eerie like eerie human like face in 1886 it escaped by knocking its cage over and running away to be found a couple hours later and shot by a hunter. Hmm. The unnamed hunter called the Mounties and the Mounties took a photo and left the animal there to die. Did you see the photo? No, I didn't look at it. Okay, so let me show you that. Sad. Poor Jacko. What a sad life he lived. And we wonder why these animals, like if these Bigfoot, if they're <laughs> real, they're don't yeah, want to stay away from us. Exactly. Because the first thing we would do is, here, we'll make you healthy again and then make money off of you and make you live in a cage. Right. So this is him lying in the snow, which is sad. So we'll post on the social media accounts at least a link to it because, I mean, it is depressing. Um, but it clearly does look like a monkey type of animal, right? Yeah. But definitely not recognizable either um so anyway check that one out uh, again it's one of the most most documented like bigfoot encounters as far as being captured so in trenton uh 97 years ago on august 11th uh, a woman was attacked by a large hairy man-like animal nicknamed a big gorilla by the trenton trenton evening times which is a local newspaper at the time and again this is prior to the bigfoot name right but that one's interesting so you can see this kind of like as civilization grows in north america and our ability to record events happen like these things are becoming more and more uh common right but also the more and more we hear about bigfoot the more and more common it is that we're hearing more yeah and suddenly having more sightings it's the same size like different side of the same thing right exactly so what's driving what yeah yeah um and then in july 18th of 1923 which was you know about 94 years ago um there's the very famous photograph, the old yellow top photograph, which does not seem that impressive. It was taken July 18th uh, near Cobalt, Ontario. Have you seen that photo? No. So it is the first claimed photograph of a living Bigfoot. And 
it is weird that it looks so similar to some of ours, right? From far away, it just looks like a standing up bald eagle. It does. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but it's very, very, very weird. Strange photo. So we'll, we'll post again a picture of that as well. Let's take a quick ad break. We'll do one ad and then we'll also make sure our baby is still happy. Do you watch Friends? Do you watch How I Met Your Mother? Then you should listen to How I Met Your Friends. Hi, I'm Kathleen. And I'm Julie. And we are the ladies behind How I Met Your Friends, the podcast that explores the similarities and theories of Friends and How I Met Your Mother. Every week, we watch an episode from each show and dive deep into the crossovers and catchphrases. So if you've ever noticed the similarities between these fantastic shows, come check out our podcast. You can reach us on social media at How I Met Your Friends Pod or email Pod at gmail.com. So then you have the Ape Canyon incident in 1924, which was about 94 years ago. Um, Ape Canyon, which is a gourd near Mount St. Helens in Washington, is known for its Bigfoot sightings. Uh, And in July 16th of 1924, a group of uh, prospectors were bombarded with rocks by a group of mountain devils. And the rocks thing is very, very common. Yeah, that's in a lot of the stories I've heard. It even goes to the Vietnamese rock apes that we talked about a few a long time ago. Um, But anyway, so. At one point, they stuck their hands like into the cabin windows and were like really freaking these dudes out. And Fred Beck, which was one of the prospectors, uh, claimed to shoot one of these rocket. I mean, uh, yeah, mountain devils, whatever um, that. And then they fled into the woods. Right. So then in this same location, just a few months later in September, a a prospector from Mount St. Helens complained to a forest ranger that he'd been woken in the middle of the night when stones were thrown into his cabin. Okay. And again, this is 1924. Peeking outside, he saw a bunch of Sasquatches and said, quote, they they was screaming like a bunch of apes and quote. And the man hid under his bed until morning came. When he went outside, he found that the cabin was surrounded by giant footprints. So same area. In, Poor guy. Yeah. In 1928, uh, Soviets sent out an expedition to gather information about the Chuchunya uh, near the Indigurka and Yana rivers. And they actually classified the Chuchunya as Russian citizens and are considered to this day an uncontacted tribe, according to the Russian government. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. So um, and again, so in 1941, this is a story called the USSR Wildman uh, Corrupt. Karapetian, an officer from the medical service of the Soviet army, was asked by some villagers to uh, examine a uh, captured person um, that they had captured in the nearby mountains. They wanted to know whether or not this thing was a disguised spy or some sort of like, um, you know, German thing, because this is, you know, in the mid, like right at the cusp of World War Two. Um, so they took him into a cold shed where the quote unquote man was being held. He was only about six foot tall, but appeared, quote, like a giant uh, to this officer who noticed that his eyes were, quote, dull and, and empty like those of an animal and his fingers were exceptionally large. Um, his human shaped chest and back and shoulders were all hairy and the fur was like that of a bear of about an inch long. Um, below his chest, it said that the fur was like softer and thinner and he concluded it wasn't a spy, but, um, he didn't know if it was a person or an animal or what the heck this thing was. Okay. Um, I feel like that's like so Russian to be like, 
<laughs> well, it's not a spy, so I'm out of here. Well, yeah, but also, like, the, the other part of, like, instead of, like, going out and trying to, like, find these things or hurt them or whatever, just, like, they're they're part of us now. Right. They have their own little group. We'll right. leave them alone, but they're they're humans, too. Sure. Exactly. Um, so, in July 10th, 1946, uh, about 72, 73 years ago, um, Tom Griffin, who is an Illinois police officer, was fishing early in the morning. He was eating a sandwich that he had for lunch whenever he heard, like, splashing nearby. Which, by the way, I think this dude is, like, skipping out on work or something. Like, <laughs> But anyway, so, um, he heard splashing nearby. He thought it might have been, um, like, a herd of deer or even a bear. But it started to get closer, which normally they just cross mm-hmm. and go, right? Yeah. So, he hid. Um... So he, he walked a little ways down the stream, keeping an eye on his belongings uh, when he heard a low mutter, muttering growl. Um, and then he saw an eight foot tall monster just splashing around in the middle of the river. Uh, he left, obviously, and a few yeah. hours later returned with a few other policemen uh, like himself to gather up his fishing rods and his cooler. Uh, he never told anybody why he left there. Uh, never mentioned anything about Bigfoot at all. He just wrote it down wrote the story down in the front of his Bible and the story was discovered after he had died by his daughter. Oh my, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so she had no reason to discount the story yeah, at right. all. He didn't he didn't try to profit off of right. it or anything. He did nothing and with it. I think the symbolism of writing down a story in the Bible, uh, you yeah. really wouldn't think he'd write down a lie. Probably it scared him so bad that he... Right, or, well, and beyond that, the whole I'm swearing on the Bible... Yeah, you know, right. like that was his way of saying, hey, this is true. Uh-huh. But he didn't want to deal with the ridicule of having spoken about it in right. his life. Right. Yeah. Sounds crazy. Um, so in 1958, about 61 years ago, Bigfoot was finally coined as a term. So 1958. Um, this was after uh, a hoax where a bunch of people like a bunch of dudes or no, sorry, a man and his sons uh, were like angry at this construction company so they started like making like bigfoot vandalism and like putting in the stamps in the ground but anyway it was uh in a in a newspaper it was finally termed bigfoot after that long of him being a a thing it he finally was had a name right so then finally which also is like the most like basic name of all time right so then finally we get into what i consider like the modern era so this is the turning point in the special where now you guys know like the full history of like Bigfoot because from this point, which we're going to talk about the Patterson footage, but from this point forward, like the stories get to be exponential, like to the point that you can't talk about everything. So literally every story, and I know it was a lot, um, but every story I just told you was every recorded Bigfoot, like thing that I could find Prior to the Patterson footage. Wow, yeah. Yeah, like there were a couple I skipped because they were just so vague and normal, but those were every single one that I could find with substance, okay? Um, also, big shout out to this guy named Thomas who made a timeline that I re- that really helped me keep everything straight as well. Um, I'll link to it. It's a very interesting timeline. But yeah, um, once the Patterson footage hit, then everything blew up. I mean, like, literally, it's just like hundreds and hundreds of pieces of quote-unquote evidence come in right but that was like that was everything that was the american culture of bigfoot prior to the patterson footage so the patterson footage is that classic right like the video the video right on october 20th roger patterson and bob Grimlin of Gimlin, what, of what? Did i never finish that nope. sentence you said october 20th of oh sorry uh, 1967 <laughs> um Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin filmed the most famous footage um, showing what they believe to be a female Sasquatch 
um, in a 59.5 second reel of film. The it shows this female Sasquatch at about 7.6 feet tall, walking across a sandbar in like what looks like a river bed. Okay, so the film, I guarantee you've seen it for sure. The Bigfoot in our logo is based off of like that, that Bigfoot. Um, but this is like the most iconic image of Bigfoot. So a bunch of film analysts and scientists have studied this footage and some of them, like especially a few, a couple loud individuals such as Jeff Medlam, who's actually a professor at uh, uh, Idaho state. Um, he's like an uh, actual, you know, working professor there. His last name is Medrum. Meldrum. Meldrum. Okay. Sorry. Meldrum. Um, honestly believe that this was actually impossible to fake because the body ratios, anatomy and movement were all too accurate. Well, and like at the, the time. way he walks and everything. Right. Right. Yeah. Or so, she, sorry, excuse me. She. Yeah. So I actually have a clip about Jeff talking about this. How confident are you? This film's real. At this point, I'm, I'm as confident as I can be short of having stood on the sandbar with Roger and Bob and, and witnessed it myself. That's Jeff Meldrum, a professor of anatomy and anthropology at Idaho State. He's known for being one of the few academics to openly study Sasquatch. So how is this not a person wearing an ape suit? It's all so easy to say, oh, that's obviously a man in a fur suit, until you see it up against a man in a fur suit. He points to the Planet of the Apes franchise that came out around the same time as the film and won an Oscar for the makeup. He specifically calls up a scene in the sauna in the 1970 sequel, Beneath the Planet of the Apes. They look like big, hairy Pillsbury Doughboys. So that second part is what I really want to kind of harp on here. Um, As a kid, I always just grew up thinking, yeah, that's just a dude in a fursuit. Yeah. This is 1960, what did I say, seven? Um, What they're about to talk about in that that clip and and what I want to bring up is Planet of the Apes was in 1970. And when you watch that movie, it looks nothing as close or good. Yeah, as... they didn't have the kind of like special effects and things like that that you. No, could, I mean it literally looks like a man in a fursuit, and it's right. not even close, right? Like, so there's not like this modern analytics going into like you can't transcribe the amount of breakdown that we've done on the Patterson film to Planet of the Apes, and they go, "Wow, that might actually be like a Bigfoot." Like. In Planet of the Apes, it's like, no, it's clearly not. It looks super fake. Yeah. And so when you compare the two, and I'll post a link to this video, but like that was actually really convincing to me as far as the turn of the Patterson um, film in the sense that like, I didn't think about it in, cont- in context with the times, right? Um, and even uh, the the person who claimed to have sold Patterson the uh, the gorilla suit, like the gorilla suit looks nothing like what's in the video at all. Um, it actually just looks like a crap, like gorilla suit. Yeah. Um, where this video does not look like that at all. Um, and then this is also what he had to say about the anatomy of the Bigfoot in the video. Jeff Meldrum compares it to the Patterson Gimlin film, which he shows to his anatomy students. And say, all right, I want you to point out as many landmarks of surface anatomy and muscle masses that you can identify. And they start at the head, and they can see the trapezius, they can see the deltoid, they can see the lateral and long heads of the triceps. 
You can see the erector spinae down the back. You can see the shoulder blades moving under the skin. I mean, you just go on and on from top to bottom. You, you can pick out all these features, none of which ever show up in a, in a, in a cheap off-the-shelf costume. So in addition to that, whenever he broke down the imprints of the, uh, the Bigfoot that was on the video, he also said that the way that the pressure of these feet uh, actually went in, it showed an extreme knowledge of foot, foot anatomy because mm-hmm. the pressure from our bones, the way that they pressed into that sand was as though they had a skeletized like foot, not just a rubber pad. And that it actually had weight pressing down on it as well. So, yeah, I'd never heard it broken down like that before. And in that level of detail. And when you rewatch this film, like it doesn't look as fake anymore. Don't really know how to put that out there as far as when you really do think of the time and like costume technology, which you can clearly point to as far as a large budget film, right? Because these are also just two dudes down by a river. They shouldn't be competing with Planet of the Apes, you know? Um, And yet they do. Yeah, that's yeah, I I kind of felt the same way. Like, I think everybody just at the time decided it was fake. So I think I went along with that. But yeah, when you think about now, not only was there not anywhere near the kind of design and things like that, but also there was no such there was no like going back and editing footage. That wasn't a thing. So. Right. I mean, when did I'm going to say when did Star Wars come out? It was like in the 70s. Yeah. So like think of Star Wars technology. And that was like the thing. Well, I mean, and, and people bring it up all the time. Chewy, Right. Yeah. Very real looking for the time. Like incredibly real looking, actually. For but the, also how much money did they spend on right. that? And they had a super tall dude that was like, you know, doing it. Um which rest in peace, by yeah. the way. Forgot his name. So sad. Um, George something. I don't think it was George. I do. Hold on, now I'm gonna look it up. It's George. I'm telling you. So it was Peter Mayhew. Peter Mayhew. My bad. <laughs> not George. I don't know why I thought it was George. Lucas. May no. I'm not. That makes me sound more stupid. I'm not gonna go with that. Oh okay. Well okay sure. La, 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 la. So I just wanted to take a break here and give you a chance to go get like a snack or go to the bathroom or just generally have an intermission because this is an incredibly long special and yeah, it's about to get dense again, but a little bit different and more fun and focusing on modern Bigfoot. So it's going to be fun. Just thanks for hanging in there with us. So I'm going to talk about um, some more like recent sightings of Bigfoot. There's like 800 a year, right? There's all kinds of people talking about seeing Bigfoot. Um, So I tried to find some stories, but pretty much most of them kind of, a lot of them cover the same ground. Um, But here, I'm going to talk about some. So this one happened last year, 2018, in November, sorry, 2018, in um, Queensland, Australia. Um, A truck driver was... uh, making a delivery and he was like driving on a hilltop, like in a secluded area. Um, and on his way back down, he actually saw a boulder, like roll off the embankment into the, into the road. Um, but then the boulder stood up and it was a, as he said, tall, hairy humanoid figure with a face, a bit like a chim, a chimpanzee. Um, 
he obviously was angry, right? Like, the- could you imagine? <laughs> like, please, just try picturing a freaking boulder that you think is just a rock, already scary enough, right? And then it stands up and is mad at you. Yeah, right. So he mad. He stands up, turned around, grunted, and hit the top of the truck with his, both of his hands. <laughs> like it's his fault. Like he did something to make the poor to thing make him fall, fall down, down the, the hill, hill. And, then, like a boulder. and then ran back into the into the brush oh my gosh um yeah so that one i i just really liked that one because i felt like it was just like oh, that's great yeah i'm glad you found that one it just felt really interesting to me um there's also this other one that it just seems really normal it's like one of those normal stories but there's actually a really good video that goes with it um it was in canada and it's just it's this guy just out in the woods in in the snow and he about like from what I can tell, 10 feet away. Um, there's something hiding, a dark, tall figure hiding behind a tree. And so he got some pretty good footage of that. Um, and then it just eventually ran away. But like, it's a long time. Like, it's he's like videotaping this thing for like two minutes and it's just like completely still. There's another video, which I don't, I don't know. This one starts off with literally, this is not a hoax, so... so it's out pretty much um but these guys are like in this field riding on atvs and they're only like they're paying attention to that and literally like there's this big line of trees behind them and um as they're riding on their atvs a tall black hairy looking thing pops out of the woods kind of stares at them for a second and then goes back but the like according to them and they didn't act like they did they did not see it until later when they were looking at the footage. It was pretty far away from, not like super far away, but far away enough that they didn't see it. But what would make them like look that close? I mean, you don't have to look that close. It was just, it was just far enough away. It's pretty obvious. obvious. But it was just far enough away from what they were doing because they were like shooting their cool ATV moves. I don't know. And uh, it's far enough away from them that I don't think they would have noticed it in the moment. That is interesting. Um, But you can pretty clearly see it. When you watch it, it's like next to it. He like comes out next to a tree, but the tree is like clearly green and he is black. So that's could have been a bear. I don't know. Wow. Still interesting. Um, and the last one I want to talk about isn't it's just a normal, uh, a normal Bigfoot sighting. But um, I don't know. This might be my favorite one. So um, in March of 2017, Claudia Ackley claimed that she and her daughter witnessed a Sasquatch while they were hiking um, near Lake Arrowhead in California. Um, So, of course, they come down and they tell the cops about it, right? And they pretty much blew her off and said that it was most likely a bear. So, she decided to um, make a lawsuit against the cops for not believing her and for not, (laughs) not putting enough, like, effort into trying to find out what the thing was, I guess. Um, yeah. Did she win? Well, it hasn't gone through yet. Basically, <laughs> her lawyers pretty much said, like, you should stop. She <laughs> <laughs> should probably heed that advice. <laughs> it says, according to the San Ber- Bernardino Sun, the original court filing was not quite up to par. And Ackley is now in the process of rewriting it and having the new version properly vetted by lawyers. I would love to read the original one. I, I saw Bigfoot and they didn't care. Yeah, so they basically are like, what are you doing? But she put um, on Facebook, 
quote, I only get one chance and I must do it correctly in order to proceed, end quote. So she's like really into this. She's like, I saw a Sasquatch. You guys were jerks and didn't care. So now I'm pissed. Very weird. So I, I think that the reason why this is important is because talking about like Bigfoot culture and like the fact that even mainstream Bigfoot culture has not changed from those stories from 200 years ago, right? Yeah, it's all the same. Like, right. I, like I found 20 stories that were all just like this. Oh, my well, dad okay, would be... Okay, except for the boulder. My dad... No, that was... Yeah, that was very interesting. <laughs> my dad would be sad if I didn't mention the fact that, like, if you go to small town Woody America, like, where we have some hunting land up in Oklahoma, there's always at least one restaurant that's, like, Bigfoot Cafe or something and has something, like, of carved Of course up, they are, yeah. Right? Because it's just so ingrained with Woody culture, yeah. right? Um, so, anyway, here's an unsettling audio clip just because I have it. Oh, yay. <laughs> Cole popped his head. The, here's an unsettling audio clip. Wham! Come here, baby. So what you're going to hear is a dog for sure, but the dog is reacting to something in its own Mm -hmm. backyard on security footage. Okay. And it is, this gave me the creeps uh, at night when I was listening to this, but anyway, here it is. So like I said, you heard a dog barking, right? Um, And then you hear the big howl, right? Which they think is a Bigfoot howling at the dog. And what you guys don't see, which we'll post a video, but the dog then like tail goes down. He gets scared and he disappears off. Yeah. And then that's when you hear the dog crying. But the howl from the Bigfoot and the grunts from the Bigfoot are still going on. But the dog uh, huddles. So in the video, you can actually see a shadowy huge thing over the fence which is a six foot tall fence right a six foot tall fence and it's standing over it and then when it's done howling you watch it like kind of walk off camera and this poor dog is just like terrified right so Um, i almost said the thing that i say so one of our great podcasts on our network called the faves of our lives uh one of the hosts called Brittany, she actually listens to us and is really awesome and their podcast is also awesome you should check them out um and they said, I now have a catchphrase, which is whenever RJ is saying something creepy or shows me something creepy, I say, oh, I don't like that. And I didn't even realize I say it that much because I guess I say it that much in my normal life. Yeah, I didn't realize she said it that much on the show. So just so you know a little bit about the, about the production process, we have the freaking episode and then I edit the episode and then I listen to the episode for quality control. So I listen to every episode at least three times. And I didn't even notice she said it because she says it so much in normal <laughs> life. So the fact thing. that people actually pointed that out, something I didn't notice, is very interesting yeah, to me. So I now have a catchphrase and I feel like I should have a T-shirt or something because it's awesome. But I also am kind of weird about saying it now because I feel like I clearly say it too much. But I really didn't like that. Like that. That's a I don't like that. Right. Moment. 
Yeah. So again, that one gave me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Uh, I don't anything with dogs. And this for me, is for it's... someone like. By the way, like I've spent a lot of time in the woods. Like I've seen a bear cub. I've been roared at by a bear. Um, I, on the other hand, I'm terrified. I enjoy camping and things like that, but like I, I have a, I have a, um, healthy fear. I I wouldn't call I don't know if I call it healthy. I have a f- pretty large fear, a respectful fear. Maybe that's it of the fact that like that is not my home and it is their home and I'm inv- I've invaded their home and they're they know it much better than I do and they're probably much stronger than me. Right. Um, but anyway, yeah, so it's definitely creeped me out. Um, OK, so now the last thing we have to talk about. I'm so excited. Is the Convince thing me. Convince that me of changed Bigfoot. my mind about Bigfoot. OK, so we're trying to actually get an interview with the doctor that's behind this, which would be the coolest thing ever. It would be interesting, but don't get your hopes too high. Um, but anyway, so. They, they actually reached out to me today, so we're under consideration. So hopefully that'll work out. Uh, this is a group of five doctors and then a bunch of other staff members called the Sasquatch Genome Project. And they have collected over 106 samples of Sasquatch DNA that they... I think I like briefly read a little bit about this. That they have compared to the genomic rec- record that we have and have, at least in their minds, confirmed... Uh, Sasquatch DNA, and they have submitted their findings to peer-reviewed journals and even got to the point of being hours from publishing after being peer-reviewed um, before the journal decided against publishing for obvious reasons, right? Like, yeah, academia right. is not going to like this. Yeah. Um, but they did maintain not only their studies, their uh, their whole uh, journal entry, everything. They, they were actually able to ma- to retain the peer reviews. So um, for those of you who don't know what peer review uh, is like, um, whenever you're in academia science, um, you make a study over the course of, you know, however long it takes. Uh, Normally it's, you know, a hypothesis and then your tests for the hypothesis. And then you send that out to a journal for publication. And then that journal normally will send it blind to reviewers to review your methodology and then also just how you wrote out what you did. And then those reviewers provide those comments back. Right. So if you go to their website, you can actually see what these people reviewed. Like for instance, and it's very boring. I was part of some of this with some of my professors in school and it is like the most excruciating process, but a lot of their comments are like, we're very interested. I'm very interested in this study. Uh, change this paragraph. Do this like very mundane comments. And then yeah. you see the author's response is like, OK, we did this. We did that. Right. Um, because they were literally just in the process. Right. So I highly recommend you check it out. We will link it heavily because it's incredibly compelling evidence. Um, their website is like straight from 1999, too. So that's <laughs> when you know it's legit. Right. Um, but anyway, so. Let me just start off with this comment, which came from one of the independent uh, genetics labs. They used over 11 across the country of uh, that, like literal cutting edge technology, spent over half a million dollars of investor money in order to do this. Um, And this is from one of those genetics labs. They said, I tried blasting the consensus and get no hits with any organism, which is so bizarre. What is this? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Have you discovered a new species? Question mark, question mark, question mark. So again, because these were blind, double blind studies. Um, and so they didn't know that they were sequencing uh, Sasquatch DNA, right? Right. So this is from their website, but I just found it very compelling. And again, you should read this study. It is 
Very, very interesting. But anyway, so this is their explanation of the question. What are Sasquatch? The Sasquatch are an indigenous aboriginal people. Their maternal lineage is human and their paternal lineage is unknown hominin. Their genetics reveal no relation to Neanderthal or Homo sapiens uh, Altai. Denisova. So despite their pop culture image as, quote, ape men, uh, they have no more genetic connection to apes than we do. Okay. Wow. Okay. This means they are not related to the um, Gigantopithecus blackie, which is like I've talked about on the show before, but the Gigantopithecus is a massive um, in the fossil record uh, ape ancestor of ours Mm -hmm. that uh, lived to be about eight to 11 feet tall. Absolutely huge proof that biologically this could happen, but also proved that biologically it put them at risk to have such a huge body. But anyway, they say it is not, uh, more related to Gigantopithecus, once believed by many in the Bigfoot research community to be a likely ancestor, more research is needed to further understand Sasquatch genetics. The paternal lineage found in the nuclear DNA of Sasquatch suggests a distantly related hominin that evolved separately from humans, apes, and other primates, but evolved to the point where it could interbreed with humans. Okay? Wow. That is the literal tip of the iceberg. So... Here we so go. That like explains the whole idea of the women with the yes, Sasquatch. So, yes. So they got to the point that they were genetically stable to interbreed, and then maternally are related to us, and paternally, the, the paternity side mm-hmm. is the part that is off, right? Right. So, like I said, that's why that goes back full circle. Okay. So um, ladies having sex with. Not an cute, unknown human yeah. things, but something that they probably couldn't equate to anything other than human, right? Yeah, just so anyway, hairy, right? So the question is, why don't we know more about the paternal lineage of Sasquatch? Could the paternal species be uh, Homo hedelbergensis? Hedelbergensis. Um, what about other recently discovered human ancestors? This is the answer. Sasquatch is a recently developed species. Uh, haplotype analysis uh, within the mitochondrial maternal DNA indicates that the species is only about 15,000 years old. Only a very small percentage of humans of human remains in their nuclear paternal DNA, which is primarily of the unknown hominin. So the fossil, why doesn't it show up in the fossil record is one of the questions, right? Well, the fossil record is incomplete. Fossilization happens only under special circumstances and fossils are challenging to locate, which is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, we simply have not yet encountered remains of the paternal species from which the DNA can be extracted. Okay. okay. This is very important because it's very true. Like the fossil record is spacey you know there are a lot of a lot of things that don't fossilize well so homo hedelbergensis is a more recent suggestion for the sasquatch ancestor but this human species uh this human species died out four hundred thousand years ago long before uh sasquatch came into existence so that's why they think it's an unknown paternal hominin Mm -hmm. um the human family tree has become more complicated with recent discoveries of other human ancestors, including the flat face fossil and the unknown hominin revealed through African DNA. More research is needed to learn about the origins of Sasquatch. So again, how old is Sasquatch? About 15,000 years old. Okay. Okay. So here we go. Now this is in regards to their study and its results. The question is, is the SGP uh, Sasquatch genome project uh, the first DNA study on Sasquatch. What made SG, SGP successful where other studies were not? And this is where I was very skeptical. I was like, everything we've ever sent, 
never worked genetically. I think that it's just bare hair or whatever. Yeah. There is a lot of DNA evidence that always came back saying contaminated by human or human evidence. Okay. Okay. Here is why. There have been several other attempts to test Sasquatch DNA. However, it is standard procedure to test mitochondrial DNA first because it is more plentiful and easier to test the nuclear DNA. And I did a genetics course. Like I, I, this, that's why this is exciting. Okay. So, of course, it was anticipated that Sasquatch DNA would be different from human DNA. So when these previous mitochondrial DNA came back, DNA tests came back as human, the results were interpreted as human contamination, inconclusive or unknown or simply human. These scientists and their results were not wrong. Sasquatch mitochondrial DNA is human. The Sasquatch Genome Project simply went further by testing nuclear DNA. That's where the species uniqueness reveals itself, because nuclear DNA is paternal. Yeah. Mitochondrial DNA is, is maternal. maternal. Right. So that's why every little bit of this is the hair I found on my granddad's porch, or yeah. this is where I shot the thing. Well, it's human. It's because they didn't go that extra step, okay? Huh. So it gets it's even more exciting. So hang on. Here we go. Uh, the question is, how do you know the samples were not hoaxed or contaminated? How can you say they came from a Sasquatch if the collection was not documented on camera? The answer is DNA cannot be faked. And forensic scientists are experts at dealing with genetic material that has been exposed to the elements. Contamination was managed per established routines commonly used in criminal cases, for example. Uh, samples that were not viable were not included in the study. They had 106 samples that were included. And they had to toss out and they totally consumed many other samples. These 106 were viable samples, okay? Okay. The results were a hybrid human and unknown hominin and were consistent across the study's samples. Oh my gosh. If it was not Sasquatch, then there's another hairy human hybrid species living in the wild. How did SGP make its case for the existence of Sasquatch? The uniqueness of the DNA and its relationship to humans is the primary proof for Sasquatch's existence. In addition, the SGP engaged the help of specialists in hair identification and pathology to determine the unique characteristics of Sasquatch hair, follicles, and skin tissue, all indicated a species previously unknown to science. Okay, and back to that quote. What is this? Did you find a new species? We yeah. can't cross-reference it. Okay, here we go. Um... You guys should see how excited he is right now. I am so excited. It's insane. <laughs> no, this literally was like everything I had problems with Sasquatch. So, well, not everything. There are things and we'll wrap up when we talk about it, but it's still interesting. So if Sa the question is, is Sasquatch are so elusive? How did the study obtain samples? The project samples were found in numerous ways. Most samples were hair found on trees, fences, hair traps, in sleeping areas, and even on a garage door. So in, in, sp in specifics to the garage door one, that was actually a really famous case of... This dude had been harassed by Sasquatches and was like very angry. And he got tufts of hair from like all over his property and was like DNA tested, DNA tested. Yeah. And they kept saying it was human. And, they were, and he was like, other than somebody coming to my property and laying down mounds of hair. Some of these were up eight feet tall, yeah. but he had to go grab. Right. He was like, this makes no this sense. Impossible, and yeah. he was like, I, I don't remember what I saw. Like uh, he was on a show and he was just very frustrated by this. Yeah, right. Understandably. So this explains that, but yeah, that's the specifically the garage door one, but all across Bigfoot stories, when they say they got hair, a lot of it was, he brushed up against my window. Here's a tuft of hair. Like they've had hit like Sasquatch stuff for a long yeah. time. Okay. 
The question is, how do you know samples came from Sasquatch and not some other species? The DNA inf information provided by the genome clearly indicate a hybrid species of human and unknown hominin. Uh, Sasquatch is the only candidate. If it was not Scott Sasquatch, then there's another human hybrid out there. What about provenance and chain of evidence? How do you know these samples were not contaminated? Um, they say provenance is not a concern with DNA itself because DNA cannot be faked. Um, again, back to the forensics uh, was used. Um, and also... Uh, sample submitters signed paperwork uh, attesting to the like information that they provided. Like they actually like put personal stakes into this, mm -hmm. um, and as well as the specific circumstances related to how they collected it. So, what were the best samples included in the study? This is very interesting. A tissue sample from an alleged Sasquatch shooting was the best sample we had. It was about three inches long, about one half inch thick and about one half inch wide with hair attached. It provided enough material for additional analysis, including pathological examination of the skin and underlying tissue. Other excellent samples included blood and tissue from apparent Sasquatch injuries. OK, but this one was one where this dude blew a hole in a Sasquatch and brought his flesh that's to a, science. That's pretty awesome. OK, this is literally like everything for I asked for. Awesome. Um, in regards to Sasquatch, right? Here's another thing. So is it possible to fool a DNA scientist? I just figured this was actually really good to bring up. Uh, no, DNA scientists cannot be fooled by mixing DNA samples um, because the DNA samples would reveal the sources of the different types of the DNA. For yeah. example, two New Mexico samples discovered through or submitted through cryptic four corners required that the Sasquatch be DNA their Sasquatch DNA that submitted was actually isolated from skunk and rabbit DNA. So like it turned out it was a mix like they tried to do that and they already discovered that. So the, the fact that something is unknown being in the mix is is the interesting part. So um, these studies were done. 106 individual Sasquatch samples were analyzed by multiple scientists and laboratories over a four year period in a double blind study. Um, in case you don't know what double blind means, it means uh, other laboratories and scientists were not told what they were testing um, when they were contracted to test these samples. Uh, this ensured the integrity of the replications of findings from test to test to test. So like even when things were being sent to confirm, they weren't told what they were confirming. In yeah. other words, right? So um, one of the questions here is how can DNA prove the existence of a species without a body? Well, DNA is part of a body. By yeah. comparing DNA samples uh, to known species, you can uh, get enough information to determine something is unknown, right? So only one sample is, is needed to identify a new species in academia. Mm -hmm. However, due to long-term skepticism regarding the existence of Sasquatch, um, the SGP is uh, intentionally went above and beyond what is necessary to confirm species by having 106 samples, right? Yeah. Um, and yet it's still not being accepted. Of course right? not. So... Um, this is what they said about how large is the Sasquatch population? They said, this is unknown. We do not believe them to be endangered. More research is needed, though. Um, the resistance of Bigfoot research groups to share information um, with a lack of comprehensive clearinghouse um, of Sasquatch information has left the field's data fragmented across a large number of sources. That's what's important there, because there are academics all across the nation that are trying to do this. And then there are amateurs all across the nation trying to do this. And nobody's talking. Yeah. So... Which Everybody is, is starting which is from square weird one. to me because wouldn't if you want to know the truth, wouldn't you 
Which is why they want put to talk to each other. Which is why they put all their study out there. So, and I think how they were able to get their hands on so many samples, right? Because of these hundred and six samples, like I said, they were gathered by, you know, people out there in the field, like you know, yeah. the crazy people, the, yeah. the people that we look at that on no Animal one wants Planet. To listen to. Yes, yeah. like they were gathered by these people. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's absolutely crazy. Um, just because they're crazy in general doesn't mean they're wrong, right? Right. right. But so of course, it, no one's going to listen to those. So guys. then they ask. Why don't we see Sasquatch more often? Encounters remain rare because the Sasquatch prefer to avoid us. They have a great fear and distrust of humans. Their skills of stealth have been per- perfected, and they seem to know the acuity of our senses better than we do. They use shadows, statue-like stillness, right? Mm-hmm. Which reminds me of uh, Dave Bautista. <laughs> Drax. <laughs> yes, Drax the Destroyer. I, I, I'm so still, you can't see me. Hey, Drax. Damn it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yes, statue-like stillness. Uh, other strategies to trick our eyes. They are unable to, or they are able to move in complete silence and despite their size can be very graceful. Uh, they are not totally nocturnal, but they do tend to move around mostly at night, protected by darkness. Um, Sasquatch communicate with bird calls, rock clacks, wood knocks, howls, whoops, and other sounds, which we humans, um, are, are generally oblivious to. Uh, they build stick structures to communicate information to each other about territory, hunting areas and water sources and places to avoid humans have trouble distinguishing these structures from natural formations with these effective strategies and others Sasquatch live around us without avoiding while avoiding a detection. Some long-term witnesses and habituators understand these communications and more research is needed to better understand these intriguing peoples. Okay. The last thing is hunting Sasquatch legal. The Sasquatch are people, not animals. They are hybrid hybrid humans. Killing one is murder. That is just like that is everything I have. But oh, my gosh, that is like everything. So interesting. I ever wanted. So I do need to like I'm going to look into this further. And like I said, I'm trying to source an interview with these people. Um, But. It blows my mind. I mean, it literally blows my mind. So there was one comment on the peer reviewed article where um, and he's actually somebody that went on to go talk to uh, Joe Rogan on mm-hmm. his podcast. Right. And he was quoted as saying, like, um, I'm not a geneticist. So I, you know, was chosen probably haphazardly by the journal. Um, and then also saying, you know, like three quarters of the paper went above his head um, because they used such cutting edge technology that somebody who is not a geneticist in the field, like wouldn't even be able to follow and stuff like, um, and he's, he's open in saying that, that uh, even though he discounted the study in total, um, he said that their methodology was like cutting edge. It's part of science. Like, and you guys can look them up. I mean, I'm sure that there's more critiques out there that we could share. um, But really at the end of the day, like, Having 106 samples, including a chunk of flesh, is like literally everything I've ever wanted from Bigfoot. <laughs> and and I, I'm not joking. 48 hours ago, I did not believe in Bigfoot. I just didn't think a large species of huge things could exist. But I mean, there there are tribes of humans that we find. Oh, so yeah. that actually makes... That avoid us. Yes. Yeah. And are right. genetically sound enough to exist. Mm-hmm. Well, it's and like I it, always it's... discounted that. I always discounted that part. Well, it's like I was saying, like... These things, first off, are afraid of us and want to be away from us, which like most things in the woods and forests, there are very few things out in the woods that are interested in meeting us, right? Most avoid us if they can. Um, But if you actually like, I've always thought of this, like, which is actually what one of the things that absolutely terrifies me of the forest is if you were walking through a dense forest and if you somehow could like 
screenshot where you are, but cut down all the trees, there would be animals all around you that you have no idea are around you. And although, yes, Sasquatch is big. And so I get how you would think like, oh, they can't hide. Camouflage. I mean, animals camouflage like I mean, things they know how to stay away from you. They know how to get away from you. They know how to. And like like you were saying, like the things that they even do, the calls and things that they do are things we wouldn't even pay attention to or be ready for because we don't listen for that. So there's a couple things there. So some of the things that I was super skeptical about was, again, breeding population. But like I said, there are groups of humans that are existing without us. Um, several of them. I'm sure we'll do episodes on them because they're pretty cool. But so that that exists. Um, and yes, you could say we found them. Sure. But we've also they don't haven't made an existence of avoiding us. Right. And, yeah. and one of the things, too, that people are like, oh, well, why is Sasquatch so good at avoiding us? You could really make the argument they're not like, you know, I mean, are we just many over, sightings as there's right. We just went been. over 200 years of history where they were. I mean, the giant squid, like we saw evidence of it every single day and it took us over 2000 years to say that it existed, you know? Yeah, right. Because um, it takes the right people which, viewing it. It's right. not about, you know, Sam down the road. Right. Who goes out and hunts every week and you just like, oh, yeah, that's Sam. No, it's like it has to be someone reputable. Right. And, and I think that's the thing, too, is like if but if nobody. So I've seen this before and I used to scoff at it, but now I'm the person saying it. So golly. Um, but anyway, I think the big thing is like what what they used to say was is with as many uh, things as we've seen, if we put out that concerted academic ex- uh, like effort, we would get results like what we're seeing from the Sasquatch Genome Project. And we are. I think the second part is, though, back in the day, back when like people went out on excursions to find these things, they found them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and we have these crazies on like Animal Planet and stuff that say they do. So if people like me didn't keep discounting them, maybe, maybe we get a little more out of that. Um, but I mean, I think that's the thing too, cause you have a lot of these hunters, <clears throat> um, specifically like someone that, you know, if you're into hunting, like listen to him, he's probably the best podcast out there and he has a great show, but meat eater, um, super against Bigfoot, the idea of Bigfoot. And it's cause he's been in all of these regions and he's seen every rare thing, but he hasn't seen a Bigfoot. Yeah, I get it. I do. I, I truly understand that. Uh, but is one person that hasn't seen one able to counteract all these people that have and all this evidence now that we have? But at the same time, how much of that, how many of those views aren't, are faked or hoaxed or were a bear or were nothing that's or just some a monkey, drunk person right? thought they saw or whatever like that. But it only takes one. Yeah. And it does. But at the same time, it's like, that's the hard part that you can, cause you can say, yeah, there's all these different sightings, but it's like, also like we were talking about, it's just been so ingrained in all of us our whole lives. I mean, all the way back to 200 years ago, it's been ingrained in our lives. So, I mean, and I mean, I grew up in a, I didn't grow up in a place, neither did you, where Sasquatch would be seen. I grew up in Austin, Texas. There's no Sasquatch. There's not, there's like barely hills. And you grew up in Las Vegas where it's dry and desert. So, I mean, it's not like we happen to grow up in a small town that's really wooded and has large mountains. And because of that, we heard it a lot. You know what I mean? Like we didn't even live near those places. And it was and yet, still, in our, it was still yeah. so ingrained in us. And so it's hard to, I think, ever view it as anything more than a legend in that because you've just been hearing about it your whole life for so long. And anyone who says like, like that guy who was like, oh, yeah, whenever they come up on me camping and my brain was having like, you're crazy. 
Right. Which isn't, you know, maybe that's not true. Maybe they have, but it's like for you to just, first off, for you to nonchalantly say a Sasquatch walked up to you while you were camping to me says you never saw a Sasquatch because if I saw a Sasquatch, I would be like that other guy who wrote it in his Bible. Like I'd be losing my freaking <laughs> mind. Right. I'd be terrified. Well, and that, so, and that's the other thing as far as like, well, how could they exist and being stealthy and stuff like other than these small things, or if you saw one, why didn't you take a picture that wasn't blurry as someone, like I said, that spends time in the woods. I will invite any of you guys to go onto my piece of land and tell me that at night you could tell that there was a Sasquatch near you because out there, like you literally can't see more than 12 feet, 13 feet. So our night vision is awful. Right. And their humans. night vision's probably better, right? It's like kind of supposed to be. So right? yeah. Um, avoiding somebody stumbling around in the dark with an and LED light. They can light, hear you. Yes. Yeah, it's like, super easy to do. We don't go out into the woods in complete darkness and walk super quietly and make no noise. And we make fire. Yes. We talk we loudly. We have dim lights. We have like phones. We have all kinds of stuff. Exactly. Like me and my dad went out to my piece of land, uh, I think two months ago, um, to go fill up the feeder and get the like trail camera pictures and stuff. And, um, we were out there, the sun had gone down and we were the whole width of the land apart, which is a little over a quarter mile because ours is like a long, thin stretch. And so this is like the thin part, right? He was at one end. I was at the other. A quarter mile apart, we knew where each other was in the dark. Yeah, because I, loud. I right. had lights. He had a light and we were both making a lot of noise and we both knew exactly where to go. Right. Like so avoidance would be very easy on the flip side. Right. Talking about things in nature. When we went to go camp in almost the exact same spot, um, we were setting up camp and there was something 12 feet away grunting and growling at us. And we didn't we couldn't positively identify what it was. We thought it was a hog. Right. Um, but it could have been a Sasquatch. Who knows, Right. Like if I was in the mind of saying it was a Sasquatch, but we thought it was a hog. Right. Um, but we did not see it. We heard it moving, but we could not see it. There was nothing for me to take a picture of. And there was no way I could I could go find it. I could not like. You wouldn't even be able to know what area, like what direction to go in. No. And it was telling us like, hey, this is my territory. And so we were both like waiting for it to come out and like do something. It never did. And that was that. Like, so had I seen something eight foot tall, like I would have said it was either a bear or a squatch. Right. Well, the other thing, too, is the fact that you have to think about, like, not only does this thing live to avoid us. Also, things in nature first live to avoid each other Mm -hmm. because of predators and prey and all those kind of things. And obviously I'm not assuming a Sasquatch is a prey to anything. Um, but there's a chance it could be, but also as a predator, your job is to be quiet because you're trying to sneak up on things because they run away from you. If you don't like hiding and blending in and walking quietly and all those things. I mean, you think about like really well-trained hunters and stuff, how they've learned how to like, um, walk through forests quieter, right? They have like lighter footing and they've learned where to walk and what's the right things to walk on and all that kind of stuff compared to like, if I walked out there and I just be like breaking branches and stumbling over things and smacking into stuff, you know, like when, especially like to your point of camouflage predators, like uh, I don't remember who it was. There's a very, uh, famous like scientist who spent their whole career attempting to see a, uh, black Panther, like, out where it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and they never saw a single one or no. Yeah. A Jaguar in uh, South America. Okay. Yeah. Which the the same like big cat, I think. Um, but uh, people looking for Jaguars in South America, 
They can go their entire lives and never see one. Right. And they're actively looking for one. That's what they do. But then other people can see one five times, you right. know, like a hundred times uh, because of just different circumstances and like all this other stuff. Like he fell down a mountain. Or just a hilltop and landed in front of a car. Like, right. That's clearly or happening an to look like that's another thing, too. Like uh, there's this bird up in, uh, I think, Alaska. Um, it's a whooping crane, I think, or something similar to that. And it literally sits at the top of tall trees and goes whoop, whoop. And you still can't see it. <laughs> Like, like these hunters literally have to, when they hear one, they go get to where they think it is, lay on their back for about an hour and just scan with binoculars to see these dang birds and they're big birds. And then when they finally see one, they shoot it. But this is a bird who has no clue how to avoid us. Right. Not because even it's trying. sitting up there in mating season going, I'm here, I'm here. And we still can't see the dang thing. Um, yeah, I think uh, a lot of people who are maybe anti, who don't believe in Sasquatch are, are, are they have a lot of confidence in their own ability. Yeah. No, or in human ability, period. Well, and that was one thing that, like, I never had a problem with that. Because having been in the woods enough, like, I can tell you, I guarantee I, I've missed some stuff. You know, like, yeah, and, and, like, I know I've missed enough. Like, I've never, like, when, even when I was a skeptic of Bigfoot, like, I never had a problem with that. I had a problem with, like, the actual, like, biology yeah, of it. Yeah, right. But now being a total like science bought in person like these samples are enough for me i'm done right like i'm in but like yeah i mean like i said i legitimately challenge you to dense woods not like a state park right like that's what i think people have in their mind of you know where where these things are like no an untrimmed true forest like no trails yes because also just like animals that avoid trails because they smell like humans well oh or they don't, right? Like like a bunch of uh, a bunch of animals don't avoid trails, and so hunters go off to the side of the trail yeah, and true. watch what uses the trail. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so I, and here's my thing: I still agree with Rachel. Like ninety nine percent of what's on YouTube are like these things. Like hell, that border and that boulder that rolled down. That dude might have been on crack. Like who knows? Like I'm get I'm I'm with you. Like probably a bunch of it isn't real, uh, but. Some dude shot a chunk of Bigfoot off and turned it into a lab. Like, And the DNA says it. That's interesting. And that it's related to us. And that it's not an ancestor. We didn't come from Bigfoot, right? Like, but it's also not us. But it's not us. Yeah. Like, it also has its completely its own thing, too, from to its daddy. Yeah. Interesting. Super weird. Hmm. So I never, uh, I've never changed my mind on something from an episode. This is the first time I ever have. Yeah. Um, so that's epic. That's really cool. Never thought this would lead to that. And I'm like, I'm a want to believe person. I think you guys probably know me by yeah, now. This you is are. episode 30. I'm a want to believe person that says, hey, it's probably all but crap. But you're also not willing to like, yeah, just like, throw all your, throw it all into the I believe bucket. Which is why I think the aliens thing has always been the one that I'm the most about. Like, yeah. because just like the sheer size it's the same thing like forests and oceans right the sheer size well but space is on a whole different level because exactly. we've explored like you know point oh 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 one percent of it yeah so like i'm i'm all for that as far as it being a real thing but yeah this is one where i actually changed my mind i was hard set against bigfoot existing and i mean still wanting it to exist but now i truly honestly believe in it so there you go so our podcast is not only fun, it has now become educational. 
Hey, what up? The more you know. So anyway, if uh, the SGP is all full of crap and everything I read was from a 1990s website that was proven wrong, <laughs> let me know. Um, but from what I've seen, they've actually been on the news and like all this stuff. And uh, other than the stuff that they've actually published as their reviews, um, their peer reviews being out there, like, the, of course, there's stuff to question. Uh, but 106 samples is pretty, uh, pretty impressive. So agreed. There you go. Um, this has been a very special episode of Skeptical Skeptics. Obviously a lot longer than normal, but we appreciate you guys sitting through it with us. Um, we also really appreciate you guys reaching out to us. So find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at SkepSkepPod on all of those. Also Patreon, at SkepSkepPod. So the reason why we haven't brought up Patreon a lot is because I haven't committed to actually like rewarding the tiers the way I'm supposed to. Um, but I will say like if you're interested in a shirt or a sticker, reach out to us first and then also jump on Patreon because if you jump up to the 20-month $20 a month membership and then jump back down to $1. Like we'll hook you up with a shirt and that's a way cheaper way for you to get that shirt um, rather than paying Redbubble Cause like we can get it at a discount and then give it to you. Um, and so like we can work out a couple deals like that. So reach out to us first before you, you know, reach and try to get some swag. If you just go buy swag from the store, I'm not going to complain either. I'm just saying like, I, I can try to save you a buck. Um, in regards to the stickers, like I said, we're going to have a new $3 tier where you can just jump up to the $3 tier and then jump right back off of it just to get your sticker, uh, which is totally fine with us. Like I'm never going to be offended by someone only pitching us, whatever, like give me, I mean, if you give us a dollar, like it's infinitely more, uh, than I ever expected. So, um, but yeah, so just use Patreon to kind of get yourself some stuff, uh, cheaper. So reach out to us. We'll help you out with, that also we'd love to hear if this episode has changed any of your minds or if you think it's all crap or if you think it's all crap yeah or if you found some other research like i want to hear because especially if i talk to this doctor lady like if we do an interview and everyone's like totally against her i want to know um but yeah please uh feedback for any and all episodes uh we appreciate it like last week bernard and jackie and a bunch of other people like reached out like the day that we released which is really cool to talk about like doodle bob and stuff so um (laughs) so yeah we appreciate and the diddler remember um so i never think that like the dumb things we talk about matter like matter yeah so yeah uh we love the back and forth at all times so especially on something like this where we put in probably what four times the research we normally do yeah yeah so this was a pretty big episode in my opinion and again i know i focus on the things that matter to me but that's kind of comes with the territory of being our podcast right so um but yeah so now i'm a bigfoot believer i don't know how to really deal with that i'm gonna have trouble sleeping at night but we'll see anyway thanks for joining us this week We look forward to seeing you next week. Bye. Bye. So I want to take a moment to talk about PodCoin. It's a new app that's out there that actually pays you to listen to podcasts, which considering you're listening to our podcast, I would think maybe you're interested in this. Um, for every 10 minutes that you listen to it, you're going to get something called a PodCoin, which you can use to rack up uh, gift cards or stuff for charity. So like we do calories for dogs or like dog food as Rachel so adamantly wants me to call it, but they count it in calories. And so dadgummit, we've donated like 9,000 calories to pups. Um, it's pretty great. So no other podcast app lets you do that. So check it out. Podcoin use our promo code skep skep S K E P S K E P all caps, no spaces, and you'll get 300 free pod coins. Uh, 
for your session with Podcoin.